0: See, Jacob and Esau's son, father, was called Isaac. He was old. He was blind. And he decided the time had come for him to pass on his blessing to his son, to his son Esau, before he died. We pick up the story at this point. My son, look, I'm old I don't know when I might die. So go out in the field and hunt some game for me and prepare the kind of tasty dish I like so I can give you my special blessing before I die.
1: But Rebecca was listening in on Isaac as he spoke to Esau. So she went to Jacob and said, Look, your father just said to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare a tasty dish and I will bless you in the, ne- in the presence of Yahweh before I die. So now, my son, do exactly as I tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare the kind of tasty dish your father likes. You shall bring it to him so that he will bless you before he dies. Wait, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. If my, bo- if my father touches me... He will think I am mocking him, and he will curse me instead of bless me. Let the curse be on me. Just do what I am telling you, and go and get the goats. So Jacob went and got the goats, and Rebekah prepared the kind of tasty dish his father liked. Then Rebekah took Esau's best clothes and put them on Jacob and put the skins of the goats on his arms and neck. And she handed the tasted dish to Jacob, who took it to his dad. My father.
0: Which son are you?
1: I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat some of my wild game, so you can give me your special blessing.
0: What's this? How did you get it so quickly, my son?
1: Yahweh caused it to happen.
0: Come closer to me so I can touch you and know for sure whether you really are my son Esau. But the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. Are you really my son Esau? I am. So
1: Isaac ate and Jacob brought him wine and he
0: drank. Come here and kiss me, my son. The scent of my son is like the fields Yahweh has blessed. May God give you the earth's bounty and an abundance of grain and wine. May nations serve you and bow down to you. Rule over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. And those who bless you be blessed. Father, sit up and eat some of my wild game so that you can give me your special blessing. Who are you? I'm your firstborn son, Esau. Then who was it that just brought me wild game? I ate it just before you returned and blessed him, and blessed he will remain. Bless me too, Father. Haven't you saved a blessing for me? Your brother used deceit and stole your blessing. I have made him master over you. There's nothing left to do. Indeed, you will live far from the richness of the earth. You will live by the sword and be a servant to your brother. Soon it will be time to mourn for my father, but afterwards I will kill my brother Jacob. Fast forward 20 years. Jacob is married twice, two mistresses. Eleven sons, one daughter, time to come home and face his brother. He's a little bit nervous. We're going to listen to the reading about what happens on the night before he meets his brother.
1: This reading comes from Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 to 31. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of Yabok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men, and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip.
0: So Jacob was coming home, and he was terrified. He'd heard his brother had laid on a little reception committee for him, 400 men, to say, Welcome home, Jacob. And Jacob was afraid that Esau planned to bury the hatchet in him personally in somewhere painful so he does his best to placate his brother by sending on in advance successive gifts of goats and then sheep and then camels and then cattle and then donkeys he says each person in charge of each bit of the flock to when when you meet Esau and he says to you whose is this stuff tell him it's your servant it, it, it's Esau's, it belongs to you, and, and your servant Jacob is just behind. And he hoped that with all these things, he would kind of get rid of Esau's anger and hatred of him. Then he sends all his family and rest of his possessions over the far side of the Brook Jabbok, while he himself spends time alone trying to get his head round what might happen the following day. Getting to, ready to meet the brother who had sworn to kill him 20 years before. In some ways you can read this account of Jacob having a wrestling match with a mysterious stranger as an expression of his own inner turmoil before going to meet his brother. He is up all night fretting and worrying and stressing about what might happen, wishing perhaps he'd done things differently when he'd been with Esau. Yet it wasn't just a a kind of mental turmoil. The following day... As he walks towards his brother, he's walking with a limp. Because something physical happened in the course of that struggle. His hip was wrenched out of joint. A real physical encounter had taken place. Who he'd wrestled with remains a mystery. The man refuses to give Jacob his name. But Jacob is overawed by the thought that the figure he spent the night locked in combat with was none other than God Himself. That's why He called the name of the place Peniel, meaning the face of God. I have seen God face to face and lived to tell the tale, He said. And maybe having survived that experience, He was slightly less afraid of the coming from confrontation with His brother. And He emerged from that nocturnal encounter, not just with a limp, but with a new name, a new identity. That was the blessing he demanded before he would release his wrestling partner, and that was the blessing he received. I won't go unless you bless me first, Jacob said. And in response, he's told, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Jacob is the name he was given when he was born, clinging onto his brother's heel. The name sounds like the word heel heel all the time that's what he'd been known as it has connotations of being a deceiver connotations of being someone who takes someone else's place cuckoo would have been an equivalent nickname the bird that intrudes into the family nest and kicks out all the other ones who belong there till he's the only one left. jacob had lived his life like that trying to oust his brother and take his place all the time Jacob had never been a flattering name. Jacob had lived down to it all his life. Tricking, scheming, the master of dirty tricks. There were no debts he would not sink to if it meant he could gain an advantage over somebody else. It had been a name that constantly reminded him of the circumstances of his birth. Second best. It was a perpetual reminder of the way which his identity And the course of his entire life had been defined by being born after Esau, the older, stronger, better, more loved son. But God says you won't be known as Jacob anymore. You'll be called Israel because you've striven with God and with men and have prevailed It's not clear whether the name Israel means God strives or one who strives with God, but it certainly expresses Jacob's tenacity as he refuses to give in to his opponent in their all-night struggle. Even after his hip has been wrenched so that he can't gain a foothold anymore over his opponent, Jacob holds him in a resting hold and will not release him. I will not let you go unless you bless me, he says. And in line with that determination, he receives the name that expresses a refusal to give in or to give up on God. For that reason, Jacob's struggle with God that night recommends itself as an image of what it means to wrestle with God in prayer. There are some things that matter enough to stay up all night praying about. Crying out to God, seeking his intervention, searching for his presence, asking him to get involved, for him to sort out whatever situation it is that we face, and not letting go until we feel God says, okay, leave it with me. Given Jacob's anxiety about meeting his brother, We would expect him to spend time in prayer and this night of prayer is no quiet meditation. We see him as he wrestles, as he fights, as he prays, as he refuses to let God go until he gets some kind of answer. This is no letting go and letting God. This is hanging on to God for all that he is worth. And the answer he gets is not that it'll be okay the following day because prayer often doesn't work that way. The answer he gets is this new name. The name that expresses a God-given determination to see things through to the end. The final outcome isn't guaranteed. But God gives him the inner resources he needs to face the following day. And that is often how prayer works. In his encounters with people and with God, Israel, as he would henceforth be known, had persevered, he'd persisted, he'd endured. He hadn't always necessarily emerged victorious, but he had emerged undefeated. Perseverance is one of the great human virtues. I told my brother-in-law yesterday, I'd mentioned him as seven. sermon. Uh, we, we had uh, their daughter come and stay with us the past couple of days. He and his wife went out for a meal on Friday night. He said, had something called a Jacob's Ladder, he said. And it was this most enormous bit of beef, he said. And it took a lot of going through, he said. But I got there in the end. I said, I'll mention that on Sunday morning. <laughs> Tenacity. Perseverance seeing it through to the end, whether it's a plate of beef or some other challenge. That's the quality that Israel had. Perseverance is one of the great human virtues. Amelia Earhart, the first woman aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic in 1928, took 20 hours and 40 minutes. So the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is tenacity, seeing it through, doing what you've said you're going to do, finishing the job. Without tenacity, our decisions end up being half-baked, and we never achieve half of what we set out to do. The plain and simple truth is, if we haven't fought for something, if we haven't struggled to attain it, if it hasn't been an effort to achieve it, if it's just been handed to us on a plate, we will never know its true value or importance. Endurance is something you can only ever get the hard way. Israel got his name, he got his new identity, he got the blessing, because he was up all night wrestling with God, refusing to give in, refusing to give up. And out of that struggle he got the new name, he got the blessing he sought, he got the identity, and he got the virtue of tenacity into the bargain. The one who struggles, the one who holds on, the one who strives, the one who perseveres. He emerged from the struggle a better and stronger person but without the struggle he would never have made that change it's been said that we all need to be like postage stamps having the ability to stick to something until it reaches its final destination I like that image but only up to a point these days all you have to do with a stamp is peel it off and stick it on you don't even have to lick it anymore but when it comes to us seeing things through to the end It's not that simple or easy. Stickability is the quality we only get by enduring the tough times. When things go wrong, when it's a rough ride, when life isn't easygoing, that's when we find the ability to cope, to persevere, to endure, to be strong. And we end up being better people as a result. We live in an imperfect world partly because it can be a training ground for us to be better people. None of us, none of us is created perfect. None of us grows up to be exactly the kind of person that we feel we would like to be. But each and every one of us is created with potential that is developed and enhanced as we learn to do the right thing in wrong circumstances, when the children were in, I talked about Jacob learning to, compare, to stop comparing himself with his brother and instead coming to accept himself as the person God made him to be, and feeling comfortable with that that 's not an easy lesson to learn. Years ago, there was a popular saying in the church the effect that, that God made you he made you the person that you are. <laughs> And he doesn't make mistakes. And it goes down well, I think, in a congregation of fit and healthy and wealthy and successful middle-class Christians. But what if we're conscious that we are at some serious disadvantage? What if there is something in our life that we we know is wrong and that we struggle with, and we think, well, actually, you know, God didn't make me perfect. God made me with this problem or that difficulty or or that issue. And, you know... (laughs) How can you say that that God doesn't make mistakes where there is this in my life that doesn't seem to be right? The plain and simple truth of the matter is that none of us is made perfect. We are not all born equal. Some of us have to cope with major disadvantages from the word go. That's the reality of how life is. And Jacob knew all about that. By virtue of being born second, he was always going to be behind his brother. And the way in which they developed, Esau so strong and successful, Jacob so, so quiet and at home and, and not really the kind of person he would have liked to be, that was really hard. That was just the way things worked in that society. If you were first born, you had all the advantages. If you weren't, you had no advantages. In our society... If you've got some kind of learning difficulty, you are gonna struggle with an education system that increasingly seems to define success in terms of the ability to pass tests in the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And if you're struggling at school, it can be really hard to look in the mirror and say, I'm confident and happy with the way God made me. You find yourself asking all the time, particularly through teenage years, why didn't God make me like that instead of like this? Why didn't God give me the ability to do the things that really matter? I've been reading a book by Malcolm Gladwell, David and Goliath. He talks about Brian Glazer, the successful producer of the hit series 24, the man behind such films as A Beautiful Mind, Splash, The Da Vinci Code. Glazer has always suffered from dyslexia, he found being at school horrible. He says he would be anxious, really anxious, and take forever to do a simple homework assignment. He couldn't read the words, so he'd spend hours without accomplishing anything. Most of his grades were Fs. So how did he progress? Every night before a test, he would spend time talking with his friends. What do you think the question is gonna be? What answer are you gonna put down? What are you gonna say? Trying to glean as much information from them as he could. And then every time he got an assignment back or grade back, he would go to the teacher and he would argue about it. He would say, why have you only given me an F? Why can't you pass this? This isn't E, can't you make it into a D? And all the time he would try and go back and over and over again, wear the teachers down to try and get a little bit of improvement in his grades and get through that way. Hopeless at reading, he developed excellent skills at negotiating. Gadabal talks about this kind of learning as compensatory learning, learning the hard way. He says most of us learn by what he calls capitalization learning. We're good at something, and we build on our strengths and get better at it. And that is relatively easy. Compensatory learning is if we have a weakness, and we have to find a way round, or through, or over, or under that. Because this is something that blocks our path, and we have to find a different way to get to grips with it, that is far harder. But it's a more powerful way of learning. You have to overcome your sense of insecurity. You have to overcome your sense of humiliation. But in doing that, you develop strengths that put you in a league of your own because nobody else fights the same battles the same way that you do. So life is not a matter of being pigeonholed by other people's expectations of who you are and how well you will do. It is about recognising that, yes, I am the person God created with my good points, with my weaknesses, but recognising that there is potential there as well. Potential to turn even perceived weaknesses into strengths and to come through adversity and difficulty and trials and problems a stronger and a better person. To wrestle, to fight, to pray, to not give in until we come at the other side, thinking this is who I am. Not comparing myself with my more successful brother, not regretting that my father didn't love me more, not being unable to break away from the mother's apron strings. This is who I am. With my faults, with my difficulties, with my problems, the person God made me to be we spend our lives looking around and comparing ourselves to other people we will only have empty pride or crippling insecurity learn from jacob look up look up to the person god look up to the god who made you the person that you are and pray god show me my potential help me to realize that Give me the strength and endurance to get through life. I will not let you go unless you bless me. It's in God's heart to do so. Don't give up on him. He won't give up on you. Find your place in his purpose for your life. Stop comparing yourself to others. Find God's place, God's blessing, God's direction. He thinks the world of you. He wants you to live your life for him. It's the best way of finding who you are and what you should be doing. Let's pray. Lord, we keep our insecurities secret, many of us. We don't let other people see our anxieties, our weaknesses, our failings. We keep them well covered, But we can't hide them from ourselves. We can't hide them from you. Forgive us for the times that all the time we look at other people and say, I wish I was like them. (coughs) Help us to find our place in your purposes, to know who we are in your sight, to recognize how you feel about us. Give us the courage and confidence to live our lives for you, to make the most of the life that you've given us with our gifts and abilities and and deficiencies and problems. Show us how to live effectively. Help us to find security living under the shadow of your wing. In Jesus' name, amen.